Welcome to Promo Cares Radio, where we dive into the good being done in the promotional products industry. From general philanthropy to cause marketing to giving programs, we're here to shine a light on those inspiring stories that are helping to improve the world through promo. And now, Promo Cares Radio with your host, Roger Burnett. This is Promo Cares Radio. My name is Roger Burnett, co founder and president of Promo Cares. Promo Cares is a 100% volunteer initiative created to lift up and recognize companies in the promotional products industry using their businesses as superpowers for social good. We help suppliers, distributors, decorators, service providers, and end buyers alike become a bridge for positive social impact. We do this through best practice sharing, online and in-person collaboration efforts, and helping organizations with their give back work by marketing their efforts and telling their stories. It's been a wonderful, difficult, time-consuming, but immensely rewarding year of Promo Cares Radio podcasts. And as we close the calendar year that is 2018, it seems only fitting to take a look back at the nine hours of conversation had on the podcast this year. In doing so, a number of themes revealed themselves and specific guests brought compelling thought processes to the reasons behind using their businesses as superpowers for social good. So join me, if you will, as we take a look at these themes and examine how our guests express the commonality amongst them, regardless of their position, gender, age, background, or experience. While the Promo Cares Radio podcast series has an inspirational tone, the objective is to motivate you to action. Once you're there, this episode serves as a great how-to guide from our guests this year on taking the little actions necessary to get going once you're suitably inspired. And once you've crossed over, the back half of the episode explores situations when choosing a purpose-based approach means having to say no. Whether it's physical, mental, or in some instances spiritual, this episode is a Santa bag full of advice, tactical approaches, and more. There's definitely advantages that you have kind of to... To, to scale. I mean, I have a team that can focus on um, some of these efforts and, and to really think about them in a, in, a, in a meaningful way. But I don't, I think it's really possible even at a solid supplier level. So we work with, um, you know, 100 plus factories around the world. A small supplier might work with one or two, right? So knowing your, uh, your factories, your supply chain, understanding it, visiting it, spending time there, um, getting involved there. It's it's it, in some respects it's easier um, as you are smaller than as you get kind of larger kind of in the scale. Um, some of these things are, and so I don't know that you need to, you know, um, pr- produce a pretty report with lots of pictures and that's you know fancy to be doing kind of positive things and trying to measure. Um, you know, kind of what your impacts are. So I think it's not, it's, uh, it's more a question from a smaller supplier of, of focus and desire than on, I can't do it at my scale. And I think that one of the things that we found was there were real opportunities for like co- real cost savings, which suppliers at every level care about as you think about sustainability. So, I mean, one of the silliest things that we had been doing forever was, um, printing invoices and mailing them to our customers. And we um, we started going through this, and someone on the team suggested to me, well, do you think we could email invoices to customers? And I said, well, I'm not sure why not. Um, you know, And 
it was it, it saved us a lot of money to email invoices to customers, and we stopped using a lot of paper. and And um, it, it, it was a it was one of those really kind of easy wins that we have. And so I think as people look at um, where you're spending your resources and your and your money, um, I think there's potentially real cost savings for small suppliers. Sure. So, you know, each, each scenario is different. I, I would say that it, it does end up being a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication. But if your heart is truly with the cause that you're, that you're trying to, to start, um, then you will 100% succeed because you will make sure that it does. You know, I think I'll, um, I'll build on that a little bit. Just, you know, being someone who came from a large retailer to um, myself and my business partner in a garage and trying to do this from day one with zero budget and zero staff and just a lot of passion and elbow grease, it's actually, um, you know, it's, it's not as hard or intimidating as it sometimes can feel. And often when we're chatting with suppliers or even some of our, like, peer-friendly competitors, I'll often say, you know, you talked about flying in people from your distribution centers to talk about your values and start to shape out those those family values. I mean, you can do that with a team of four or a pizza, sit down at the kitchen table and, uh, you know, get three colors of Post-it notes and have one for the things you're doing in your office, one for the things you're doing in your community, and one for the things you're doing with your suppliers and your products. And and write down, like, are we paying, you know, decent wages in this for this community? Um, you know, are we recycling? Do we have in-house recycling? Is there a way we could maybe... Um, you know, have bike parking or, you know, what are the things we are doing, write them down, and what are some cool things we could do for, you know, fairly easy and, and potentially cheap? Um, you know, what kind of things are we doing in the community? Write them down. Write down the things you wish you could be doing in the community. What are you doing with your suppliers? Maybe the first step is easy as, you know, finding out which of them are minority-owned. And so you're like, we support minority-owned businesses in our country or veteran-owned businesses in our country. Like, that's, it costs you nothing but, you know, a little bit of homework on a Thursday night. You know what I mean? Um, talk to your suppliers about their packaging. So there's some really tangible, low-cost or free initiatives that if you bundle them up on Post-it notes, you've created a little bit, you know, it's your first report, you know, and it's your first strategy around this stuff. So I think... You know, for us, we're, we're often trying to talk people down. You know, they're, they, they get so anxious about starting, and they're so nervous about this idea of we have to do it all or we have to be perfect. And what we generally find when we're talking to, and particularly smaller um, suppliers who don't have the vernacular, you know, they don't read sustainability reports, they find it all kind of confusing and intimidating, is when you just chat about it in a really real way, they're probably doing a ton because they're good people and like good people run companies in this industry. And the reality is, again, it's incremental. So you don't have to make huge changes. What are the small things that you can do that just start to move the needle along that continuum in a little way? It's easy to start to sit down and talk about some of the good things you're doing and, uh, and ask your staff, what are some of the things they wish you were doing? And you're going to have a plan. We are doing a little bit we could do so much more. And, and, I, and I think, Roger, you and I have talked to so many individuals um, and sometimes in leadership roles where um, they're desperate to figure out how to do it and, and they just need to put together a plan and they need to rally their troops and, and earmark some budget for doing good to work on some uh, campaigns uh, together and, and to look at uh, you know, our entire supply chain from 
the, uh, the distributor, the supplier, and again to the end user to, to bring that all together by selling product with purpose. We're so used to, you know, price is such a, a driver of what we sell in this highly commoditized space. And here we got this opportunity to put purpose into our sales process, to be a differentiator, to say that if you buy this, a percentage goes back here. If you buy this, another one will be given to someone who is less fortunate than you. And to me, those are really compelling ways to go into the marketplace. I'm excited about the future. It's great to start small. Yes. You know, if any, if I feel like my contribution with Red Goldfish to this is that, hey, it's great to understand your why, but it's more important to create little things that you can do. So I think you have to focus on your passion. Find out what your passion is and focus on that. There are so many good things out there, but you can't do them all. So find out the one or two things or maybe three at the most that you, that you really have a passion for and focus on those things. And then get involved in your community and help and help wherever you can in those areas. Um, always give back, always pay it forward. And then start building your business relationships so that you can create something meaningful, so what you can combine your business with your passion. Um, and then it never feels like you're going to work. You're, you're not going to a job. You're actually giving back all the time. Um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of people in this world, and um, you have to find the ones that have the same uh, goals uh, as you do. I mean, I think we're all here to be fulfilled, and I think we all have a mission on this life, and I think we have to stick with those people that have the same mission as we do, the same, the same, I don't know, same content. If you do nothing other than just put yourself in the mindset of adopting this mentality, that's the first and easiest thing is to say, I'm going to start surrounding myself with the people and the messages that are consistent with where I want to take myself. And the, the, it's like the company you keep. And I, I, proclaimed my new year's resolution to make 2018 the best year ever. And I wrote a piece about it. And, you know, the idea is really not whether it is or isn't. It's the fact that that's what I want it to be. And if today is great, awesome. If it sucks, it doesn't ruin anything. It's just one more day in what I hope is the best year ever. And what I'm trying to make is the best year ever. And things like promo cares are when you, when you connect that passion with things you really believe in. If something like this happened to me, if something like this happened in my community, how would I feel? How would I react? Do I want to step up? Is that my nature? And if that's your nature, I'm telling you right now, just like everybody has to have an emergency plan for a tornado, for an earthquake, or, you know, for some other disaster that I can't think of off the top of my head, you, I, I, I say right now, Put a disaster plan in place. Write it down. Have an idea of what you would do, who you would go to, and be connected. Have those relationships with your suppliers. Have those relationships with your distributors. Have a relationship. Hug each other. Know who you're going to call. Reach out for help. I reached out for help just in what I should decide, and I got all of this help from everyone. And so to close, I would say thank you. Be prepared, and I love you all. I thank you so much for. I would say, you know, be like Danny. Whatever yeah. you know, whatever good people in this industry are doing, you know, try to 
replicate it somehow and then put one foot in front of the other and just get it done, gosh darn it. And that can come in so many different forms. It doesn't have to be Headbands of Hope where it's one for one. I mean, there's a guy at the gym every morning that I go to who cleans all the equipment, but he is counting my reps for me and he is doing push-up contests with other people. It is, it's something that you don't have to soul search your whole life to find a job you can find something and create on top of that your meaning and your purpose but that probably won't be listed in your job description and it's up to you people will ask the question like you know what what should i do to get started and i say if you did nothing other than just surrounded yourself with people who are already doing something you will eventually be inspired to figure out what it is you want to do too and and that oftentimes is the best first step because most people think they have to do something. And really the first thing you have to do is change the way you think. Yeah, I think even starting with little things that that make your job more meaningful and still a sense of community, feeling more engaged to like what happens with each transaction. Um, and even just starting like with your day-to-day interactions, like my, my husband works for, um, a company called surprise HR and he has a sales team that he manages and every sales call that they have together, they always go around and talk about good news, something that's happening in their life. It could be work related or, or not. And even just things like that, that are just making your, your day-to-day and your relationships stronger. But I would say the number one thing that you can do to find that right now is to ask yourself who you serve, not who you sell to, not who your target customer is, what your demographic, but is who you serve. Lynn, a little bit of this, you've got to serve your community, right? And, And whatever that means to you, whatever that means to you, right? your fellow man, your community, right? And you, and your business has to stand for something other than just, I really firmly believe that those are the moments that define you as a brand. Um, you've probably had lots of moments as a human that define you as a human, but it's, it's not as often that you get moments in the business, you know, context that are defining in that way. And, and I think you need to move through some of those to really refine who you are. And, and we've had, you know, our, We've had a similar situation with the World Petroleum Congress. It was during the recession. We were dying. Mm. We needed money bad. Like, mm. it wasn't like, oh, we're fine. We can say no. It yeah. was like, we're dying. Like, we're, getting, we're like letting people go. Um, and, you know, it was that moment. In, and I, I remember sitting to Sarah, like, these, these, this is the time when you either become more like your competitors or you become more like yourself. Money, there's product categories that we've just said, hey, we can't play in that product category because if the price point in the industry is a dollar 29 and that's where you have to be to sell any um we don't think we can make that the way that's important to us at a dollar 29 we're just not going to we'll walk away from a category and we've we've done that situation uh, like the one i'm about to share that we just had with brand fuel recently um we had a company a large company that um that contacted us and there's a substantial uh just a litany of opportunity that came in the door from this company. I'd, I'd say it was probably about $75,000 for the spend. It was a nice big order. Came in through our info at. Um, they had done business with us many, many years before, and um, they're a tobacco manufacturer. You know, we're in North Carolina. There's a lot of that. And, um, and so Robert, my business partner, and I had the 
very quick and um, and yet powerful and slightly hard at first discussion because yeah, there's a good chunk of change there. And certainly um, some of our sales reps would love to have an opportunity to make some money. Uh, but it became very clear to us that it was important to say no, um, that we did not want to support you know, lung cancer um, and that we did not want to be an advocate in any way for marketing their products. And uh, and also a lot of our clients are in the healthcare space and we've got kids. And so this was it was a fun back and forth, and it's something, a story we're going to share with our team and let them know what we chose and let them know that they work for a company that can and is willing to make a stand. So 2015, I think, is when everything just flipped. Everything turned on its head. Right, We came out of 2015, and we had missed out on doing a million dollars in sales by like $30,000. Ah. And I'm sure at that time... We turned down at least $30,000 worth of business just for stuff that we couldn't physically print because we didn't have wide format or we didn't have, we couldn't physically store a thousand jackets in 1500 square feet. Uh, we just couldn't do it. And uh, so we had to pass on that, that, those kind of things. And because it's one of those economies of scale things when you're a small business, you have to do that. You have to know when you can go, like when you can exceed expectations and when you have to go, you know what? We're going to bow out of this, but yeah. next time, like we're going to we're going to as keep hard as it. it is to say no um, sometimes, and, right? <laughs> wow! That's... And you need to cho- you need to choose that, right? And and so we've done that a lot. We've had instances where, for example, the Salvation Army came to us, and Sarah and I are like, "Oh, that's great! They're doing work with you know in the downtown east side, homeless people." And there we and we, we have morning meeting, and we tell everybody, "Oh, Salvation Army called," and our staff are like, "What?" We can't meet with them. And we're like, why? And they're like, they're super homophobic, you know? It's mm-hmm. like, you guys are being bad gays. Like, we can't go meet with them. And so we told Salvation Army, oh, we had a little, you know, mini mutiny at morning meeting over meeting with you, and this is why. Mm. Can we talk about this? And they said, actually, most of our main sponsors, main, like almost all of our corporate sponsors are asking us about this. You're the first vendor or supplier that's ever asked us about this. Yeah, let's have a conversation. So um, it is part of the discourse here. Um, happened this morning. You know, like Sarah's like, oh, I met somebody at an event last night and had a great conversation with them, but this is their sector. And it's not how we say no. Um, it's pretty funny, Danny, because it's a little bit like turning somebody who's asked you to the prom down. Like <laughs> you sort of feel like you're breaking up. It's awkward and it's a little bit, you know, sweaty palms. Like, oh no, I got to say no. But generally the way we frame it is – kind of we know what side our bread is buttered on. So for us, if it's extractives, like oil and gas is the big one that we say no to. We say we work with the Nature Conservancy. We work with a lot of um, corporations like Patagonia that are actively funding activities against you. We work with Greenpeace and Forest Ethics. So like we are the people that your opposition comes to for their merch. And we can't in good conscience you know, take money from you and from them. Like it's, it's not the right thing to do. So we often frame it with, this is our core, this is our sector, um, in that way. And I think people get it. Uh, we've certainly had people 